Another game um, that actually put the Eagles in first place in that division um, was the Eagles and 49ers on Sunday night. And I, I mean, honestly, this hats off to Carson Wentz. And I understand the 49ers had a bunch of injuries, but look, Carson Wentz, he was out to Sean Jackson, Jalen Rager, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, depleted offensive line. And the other part of this game that was so fascinating to me was the 49ers had better time possession than more rush yards, more pass yards, average more yards per play, were better on third down pitch team. Plus, they were at home, but Carson Wentz found a way to get it done. And that's really what you need a franchise quarterback to do. Um, now, Kyle Shanahan, there's a lot of dispute on whether he made the right decision on putting in C.J. Beathard or leaving out Nick Mullen. Um, but I would say that that game was less about the 49ers. We know they're struggling injuries when Jimmy Garoppolo comes back, when everyone comes back. That's going to be a good team. It was more about Carson Wentz and getting his confidence back when we finally start to see that Carson Wentz that we saw at the end of last year and last year, not the Carson Wentz that we saw through these first three games. And his and his stats aren't necessarily eye-popping at 193 pass yards, 46 silent rushing yards, but they were big. Um, but I just think this game for me was showing me why you shouldn't bench Carson, why, why you shouldn't bench Carson Wentz and why Carson Wentz is truly the quarterback for this Eagles team. Um, James... How did you react to this game? Honestly, I think it's shining a light on two different things. A, the 49ers couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Uh, that's why they had a quarterback change. They couldn't really have consistent offensive flow. And then also, Carson Wentz was running for his life during the game. Um, they don't really have an offensive line to be able to protect him. I noticed that a lot, too. He was scrambling a lot. He was having to get outside the pocket. Granted, 49ers have a great pass rush, so I hats off to them on defense, but I just saw a lot of him looking like he, uh, them trying to keep him flustered, and, and that was happening a lot with him. I'm not going to necessarily say this was a confidence boost because he didn't get the win, but he also was facing a banged-up 49ers team. Uh, they didn't have their starting running back. They didn't have a lot of, uh, obviously, their starting quarterback, and a lot of their players are out, so Granted, they did get the win, but from that, you could still see a lot of holes and inconsistencies in their offense. And so, yeah, Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz. I'm not going to give up on them, but the Eagles, they need to get that offensive line going. The defense played well, but I still think it's a long road ahead. Uh, but obviously, they're in a weak division, so they can win it with a losing record, the way everything is looking. Um, what do you think, Hugh? Well, yeah, I think uh, what you said is so true. I, I never thought Carson Wentz had left. You know, I know we're saying we wanted to see more production, but he had an offensive line that's been in a flux since this year started. I mean, Peters comes back and playing right tackle, then he says, goes in, tells the coach, I want to go back and play left tackle. So then they had to reshuffle everything. So, and I still say he has really no receivers, real receivers to throw to. You got Deshaun Jackson, that's out. Uh, Jeffries, that's out. I mean, he doesn't. You got to give, I'm going to say it again, you got to give these quarterbacks opportunities to gel with the people who can make magic happen for them. So I, I, I thought Carson, you know, yeah, was, was it not looking good because of completion percentage? And boy, you want to see them win a game. But at the same time, he's in there battling the best he can with what he had to work with. And uh, no, it wasn't perfect. But like Robert said, they won the game. And so I thought that was good. I thought San Francisco was disappointing to me because I've watched, um, you know, Coach Shanahan do more with less. And uh, he did it the week before, and it was disappointing to see if they couldn't get it going. But you also saw the left tackle 
from San Francisco and not play very well. Trent Williams probably played his worst game of the year. Um, so they need to uh, get back, go back to the drawing board, and get back to do the things they know how to do at a high level. Uh, Nick Mullins looked like a deer in headlights the other night, and I would have put the other quarterback. So that's what it was. And so on we go. Do you think that them drafting Jalen Hurts was a waste of the draft pick? I, I, I do if they don't use him more. You know, I, I think here is an opportunity to, as we talked a long time ago, I've introduced him to the National Football League with a 10-play package that he plays in every game, you know, because you don't want Carson running after hurting, you know, hurting himself a couple of years back. Um, so you got a quarterback who you can run, who is who is uh, a young, talented player, and you want to find him. But if you're not using him for that, it's yeah. Uh, then obviously last night uh, we had the Chiefs and the Patriots. Chiefs won twenty six to ten. I don't think obviously the score. I think the score looks better for the Chiefs than the game actually was because I think this game was played a lot closer. Um, Patrick Mahomes had two hundred thirty six yards. Um, but was imp- but I was more impressed with the Patriots in this game than I was the Chiefs. And I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the National Football League. But the Patriots only gave up six points in the first half. And if Brian Hoyer doesn't take that sack in the first half and you throw the ball away and you get a field goal there um or you throw or you throw it to the sideline your receiver gets out of bounds so you get a field goal that's a tie game and that's momentum going into halftime and obviously there wasn't a bit, bit bad miss call um and then there was obviously that pick six that really iced the game um that julian Edmond kind of bobbled but nonetheless i think the patriots even though they did obviously give 26 points um, they were playing really good defense, and I think their offense was outstanding, especially for not having Cam Newton. If they had Cam Newton, you can make the argument um, it, it, some of those picks won't be thrown. And if you take away that pick six, I mean, that, that's a close game, possibly going in favor of the Patriots. Um, but, Hugh, how do you react to this game? I think you said it. I was more impressed with the Patriots as well, and I say that because uh, they are a winning organization. The players expect to win. They come and they prepare to win. And I thought they did that last night. I thought their defense was playing lights out. When it was 6-3, like you said, if he makes that play and throw the ball away uh, right before the half, it probably is a different game because I thought the Patriots showed who they were. You know, they could slow Kansas City down. And if they had their player being their quarterback, I think it would have been a different game. But... um, but again, you have to give kudos to the Chiefs as well. They won the game. They made the plays when it mattered most. Uh, they're not clicking on all cylinders like we've seen before. But that's what happens with teams. You know, teams that win Super Bowls and come back. And I, again, I high-five them because they're 4-0. You know, this is the first team in the history of the National Football League that started 4-0 four years in a row. So let's give them their just due to. But like you said, let's make sure we recognize who the Patriots are. What about you, James? So by the end of the fourth quarter, I started thinking about the movie Replacements, and I was ready for Keanu Reeves to come out the tunnel and lead the <laughs> pages down the field. Gene Hadman's a coach. It was, I mean, that's pretty much what you saw. You saw them, you know, doing the best they could with backups. Sonny Michelle didn't play. Um, but oddly enough, by the end of the game, I told myself, these Patriots could beat the the Chiefs in the playoffs. And all I watched was the backups play. And they had a really strong running game. I mean, um, it was Damian Harris, uh, that uh, former Alabama running back. 
mm-hmm. had that really long with like 40, 50 yard run. Um, Buckhart, they they he had really good run, runs. They had really good runs, and then their receivers um, were consistent. You know, um, for the most part, and they also have no name receivers. Don't have any big name receivers, so it was good to see that on offense. That even though they didn't have Cam Newton, they still were able to be productive. Uh, obviously, you saw what was missing in that part, but it really showed that. I really, it really showed me that the Chiefs are beatable. Um, once you figure out, you know, how to neutral, like what you can, what can you do, and what are your team's strengths? I don't think teams really need to go into playing the Chiefs. Um, trying to do what other teams did. I think they need to go in there. What are your strengths and how can we stop their defense? Also, it showed that the Chiefs, because last week um, when they played the, the Ravens, they gave up 7.2 yards to carry. And so this week they gave up a lot. And so it's showing that their run defense isn't that good and that that can possibly be a Kelly seal for them. And that's how you can manage the game because that's pretty much what they, uh, the Patriots did. And it just showed that the Patriots' defense is really good. So it was a lot of good points. And I know um, they lost the game, but the Patriots showed a lot of, of um, just spunking that the team doesn't want to quit, doesn't give up, and that they have really good players um, on that team. So, yeah, that's all the good things for them. All right, well, speaking of the Chiefs, let's move on to our top five uh, NFL teams. So after... Week four of the NFL season, my top five NFL teams. Number one, I, I still got to put the Chiefs. They're undefeated. Beat the Ravens. Um, number two, Tampa Bay. The, I, I, they, they obviously give a lot of points. The Chargers, but the Chargers are a good team. They took the Chiefs to overtime. So I'm going to go with number two, Tampa Bay. Number three, the Packers. They played great last night against the Falcons. Aaron Rodgers uh, is only getting better every game. And number four, the Bills. Uh, I think their defense made a lot of improvements against the Raiders. And I, Josh Allen is, is getting better with time as well. And then number five, the Ravens. I understand they have a loss, but I still think it, my problem with putting them out of top five is I think some of the teams I was going to put in there, if I picture them going against the Ravens, I don't see them beating them. Um, so number five is the Ravens for me. Uh, but James, can you give me your top five NFL teams? Um, so yeah, I got number one, the Chiefs, obviously. Number two, the Packers. And you know, that, that third spot, I want to give it to the Baltimore Ravens, but the only reason I can't is because how they played against the Chiefs, it showed that Lamar Jackson hasn't grown as a quarterback. And I'm going to need to see a lot more from him these next couple of games um, to really push him, to keep him in that number two spot. Um, So for me, I'll have to put the Buffalo Bills. I think their defense is a tad bit better than the Seahawks. Um, And then number four for me, we got the Seahawks. And then, um, you know, part of me wants... Part of me really wants to put Tom Brady um, above the Steelers, but it's kind of hard for me just because they do have that loss. But it was good to see him starting to really kind of get into his flow of the offense. And the five touchdowns, that was very impressive. He did really good. Um, and then when Chris Goodwin and Mike Evans returns, I think they'll be in the top five. But right now, I got to put the Steelers at number five for me. But with the, the Buccaneers are really keeping that eye on their top five spot. So, yeah. Oh, what about you, Hugh? Okay, Robert. So you went out on a limb because you put two teams in the top five with losses. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you say Tampa Bay and because they're still not playing at full strength, I think they're a good defensive team. And you look at uh, the Ravens, and I agree with uh, James wholeheartedly that watching Lamar play in one of the biggest games early in the year and not rise to the occasion 
made me take the Ravens out. So my top five is the Packers are number one, the Kansas City Chiefs are number two, and I did that because I think the Packers can score and they would give the Chiefs all they want. And I think they would slow the Chiefs down a little bit because I think they can rush the passer. Number three for me is the Bills. I think the Bills still are not functioning at a high level on defense. That ended up being a close game with the Raiders there for a moment. Mm -hmm. And they need to continue to improve, but I think they will come on and, and start to really uh, lather up and start playing some big time defensive football. My number four team is the Steelers. I think they're the sleeper team in all of this. I think they have more rest. I think they're going to get better. I think they've had more practice time. I think Ben is really starting to find his way. Uh, James Conner had a big game last week, so I think they're going to just keep coming on. And then the fifth team for me is the Seahawks. That's the team that I still think, you know, that Russell Wilson is willing these guys to win. He finally threw a couple interceptions last week, but at the same time, when you look at them, they still have some issues on defense. So those are the teams that I think Tampa Bay could jump. That's the team that I think that, um, you know, the Ravens could jump right now is the Seahawks. So... Uh, that's my top five. Now, can I ask you, so the one reason I don't have the Packers um, in my top two is is because of the fact that we've seen, and obviously there's been injuries and stuff, but we've seen Aaron Rodgers get off these really hot starts. And sometimes it's not that he fizzles out, but he just doesn't, their team gets this injury. They get injuries or he gets an injury or something of that nature. So is that a concern for the Packers or do you think they're not going to slow down this year? I don't think they're going to slow down. I mean, injuries are part of the game, right? So that's going to happen. He's been playing without his receivers as it is. And so he's only going, I think it's only going to pick up for them more so than slow down. I think he's on a mission. I think he set his jaw to go prove, uh, exactly who he is this year. He came very close to getting hurt last night, you know, which would have been very disappointing. Uh, but I think the guy is playing well. And when you look at their overall team, I think they are the one team that's pretty complete. They got good corners. They, they got good rush people. Obviously, they have one of the best quarterbacks. They, they get their receivers back. The runner, Aaron Jones, impresses me every time I watch him play. And so I just think there are the team that people are sleeping on a little bit because of what you just said. Normally they fall off, but I think they got something to prove this year. And I think they'll do that. All right. Well, yesterday there was some more news. Um, the Texans fired their head coach, Bill O'Brien, um, after he got off to an own for start. Um, so I have, you have to think, obviously, not only does it have to do with the own for start, but this has to do with the fact that they had an 0-4 start after he traded DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and now, obviously, um, he's mentioned it before. We can't judge if a coach is losing the locker room because we're not in there. But it seemed as if, especially after DeAndre Hopkins came out on Twitter in the offseason called him out, it seems as if this year um, he was losing the locker room with J.J. Watt and everyone. Um, and for, so for now, Romeo Cornell will fill in. Um, and, here's the, and here's what is big about this to me as well. Um, if the Texans have success with doing this and I'm not saying they're going to but if they do have success they have a winnable game this week and they get on a little bit of a roll you have to think that that's going to put a lot more pressure on coaches like Adam Gase or Dan Quinn um, that we were talking about on last week's show uh, should they be should they lose their job um, it, I think that's going to put a lot more pressure on them um, but I, I don't I don't hate this decision I, I don't necessarily know um, 
why you would fire him after an 0-4 start simply because, and here's why I say that, because when you look at the teams they played, they should have won last week and they could have won the week before, but they did play three of arguably the top teams in the league. Um, but nonetheless, I, I don't hate the decision. Um, but Hugh, did you agree with this decision? Uh, yeah, I mean, at some point in time, you got to cut your losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, to, when you get as much power as, as he had, you got to make good decisions. So you let the best player next to your quarterback go. Uh, he's now starring in Arizona. Um, you are struggling to score points. You fall behind. You're not playing good defense. There's so many things that you see and you worry about the quarterback you just gave the contract to, you know, and when those guys don't come out and support the head coach, him and JJ Watt, that's a problem in your locker room. So I think it's a little bit deeper than what we know. I think he knew uh, after losing that game what the outcome could be, but I think they have to move on. Um, I hope, as we were talking earlier, that, that they're not thinking of losing to better position themselves. I mean, it's just a quarter of the season is gone. You know, the rest of it is around the corner. So let's see what they can get done over the next several weeks. And I will say to his credit, he handled, like when he handled the press, he handled it like a really mature adult. Um, James, did you agree with this season? And uh, why did you agree with it or not agree with it? So at first I didn't, um, just because in his seven years there, you know, he had a winning record. And these past, just past two seasons, well, last season he did start off 0-3, and then the past two seasons, you know, they were number one in the division, and he had 10 win seasons, and they made the playoffs, and, you know, he was 2-4 and four in the playoffs. So his record, he was a good coach. and But I think when he took the general manager job in 2019, in the summer of 2019, I think that's what pretty much – was the turning point for him and and to, to get to this decision is because what he did with that, you know, trading DeAndre Hopkins and trading uh, Javon Colony and then, you know, cutting on uh, um, Aaron Coven uh, after giving him a contract extension and then even, you know, overpaying Laramie Tonsil, you know, who uh, was a problem in Miami. And so the thing about it is he made these decisions, these personnel decisions himself and it made it hard for him to coach in 2020 season. I mean, his offense looked stagnant. They didn't mesh. Uh, Watson started to look average, and he kept trying to, you know, uh, force feed the ball to David Johnson, uh, who obviously isn't the same running back that he was when he was in his prime at Arizona. So you look at all those things, and, you know, he did it to himself. And that makes me drop the question as, is there too much power when you do that as a head coach and become the general manager, or should you just focus on coaching and they should actually have hired? I mean, they had a general manager who had a contract went from 2018 to 2022, but he got fired and then they just, you know, pretty much gave the job to uh, Bill O'Brien. So is there too much power, you know, as a head coach or should you just focus on coaching? And then, you know, my next thing is uh, who will be able to take, take over for the team? You know, uh, my only, options that I'm thinking about is Josh McDaniels and then you got um, the Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric um, was it the enemy whatever I think his name and then you got uh, and then Dabo Sweeney uh, and well the only reason Dabo is because he has a really good ties with Sean Watson and then also uh, he knows some of the personnel for the Texans so um, where do you go from here you know he was a pretty good quarter he was a pretty good coach coaches are hard to find so where do you go from here and then you just sign um 
Watkins to a you know an, a great deal. So you gotta find a coach that can mesh with him also. So it's just gonna draw a lot of questions for them in the next uh, couple seasons. Yep, I totally agree with that. I also think um, a couple other coaches in, co- in the college range that you could say, I would say Lincoln Riley's a big one. Um, he's a quarterback guru, guru. Yeah. and I would also say uh, I, I would go with Ryan Day too. I think obviously he's coached very small. He's coached very little. Um, but yeah, I've heard a lot of people talk about him that have been around Ohio State, been around that atmosphere, and they said he's got that. He won that team over in the first day. Um, so why didn't you mention Elliot, the coordinator at Clemson? I only say that because at the end of the day, when we keep talking about these coaches and the possibility, those guys are a time program mm-hmm. for them to leave. To go take a Houston Texans team, I can see you know the the tie between the Clemson head coach. But you think of this now; they don't have a bunch of draft picks next year. No, they don't. He gave them away. So taking his job, you got to truly understand what what you're dealing with, mm-hmm. you know. And you got to look at the team right now and see how do you improve it so you can get some wins. And then you got to rebuild up your draft capital because it was all traded away. So I think it's a a good job is attractive because of the quarterback, but I also think it's unattractive because of they don't have a lot of um, possibilities of supporting him right away. So it's going to be interesting. Well, speaking of college football, um, there's a lot of college football over the weekend. Um, so I want to do, so my top four teams right now are Clemson, number one, number two, Alabama, number three, Georgia, very impressive versus Auburn defense plays outstanding and number four, Florida. Um, but as of my playoff predictions, I think I think Ohio State's going to get in. I think Clemson's going to get in. Alabama, and I potentially see, can see two SEC teams getting in, especially now with the Big 12. I don't think they're going to in. Um, I can see Georgia being that fourth spot. Um, but, Hugh, can you give me your college football playoff predictions? I think you named them. I think uh, one is Clemson, two is uh, Alabama. They're still the, the top guys, and obviously Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback. Uh, three is Georgia. They really impressed me this past week. I think people forget that they have a new offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. the guy who's at the Browns, who came from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think he is really, that looks like a different Georgia offense, you know, than what we used to see in the past. Um, Florida right now would be four, but as soon as Ohio State starts playing, they get into the conversation mm-hmm. because they're going to be the team that's going to jump in there um, with everybody else here pretty soon. Uh, what about you, James? Um, I agree with you all on that. Uh, just my only thing is, um, what does the Big 12 do now? Um, losing their pretty much their two. I mean, Oklahoma State's the only team that's pretty much left. So you pretty much now you're down to SEC, ACC, and um, waiting for the Big 10 to pretty much show up. So Big 12's out of it. So now you, but and and if. If you think about it, and the Big Ten comes back with only seven games, are those seven games valid enough? And do they hold enough weight for those teams to be able to be into the the conversation at the end of the year? Do y'all feel that or no? Mm-hmm. No, I think they are. Okay. Well, I would say. Well, yeah. Well, the only thing is, is like I would understand that. Um, if like the Big 12 obviously wasn't so bad this year, like let's say there's an undefeated team out of the Big 12, even though I'm a Big 10 fan, and let's say there's like three other undefeated teams out of the conference you just mentioned, then I would understand if the Big 10 to get in. But it's like I see 
the only other conference would be the Pac-12, and they're starting even later than the Big Ten, and the Big mm-hmm. and uh, the Big Twelve is obviously bad this year. So that's, I mean, I guess that's all I would say. Um, okay, and I'm gonna let, I'm gonna start off with Hugh. Um, Hugh, who is winning tonight, Lakers or Heat? Lakers. I think the Heat uh, showed up. Jimmy Butler's an alpha male. I mean, to, the fact that the Lakers are not sweeping them told you exactly who the Miami Heat is. And the Lakers have to um, respect that. But at the same time, I still think the Lakers are the better team. I think um, those those shooters still won't shoot like they did the other night. Uh, Hero had an unbelievable game. So I think the Lakers will, will find a way to get this one done tonight. What about you, James? When I told y'all the heat in seven, I said the heat in seven. It's just gonna be a long one. Y'all just have to sit tight. Don't pay me, James. I'm okay. <laughs> Look, Jimmy Butler. He said they in trouble. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was talking about. They took him lightly, and they gonna take him lightly again. Wow. I, you know, I think I think the heat gonna go ahead and pull out this one in, in game four. Y'all, look, keep doubting me on this one. But, uh, you know, but uh, honestly, uh, as long as um, Jimmy Butler, he doesn't really like to score. He's not much of a scorer in himself. But uh, as long as he puts up, you know, 20, 25 attempts and gets the ball out and dish it out, I think he'll become a matchup problem. He played way better than LeBron last game. Um, Of course, the Lakers are going to be fired up. But, you know, they kind of lost steam in the first and fourth um, quarters. So the 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 Heat want it. I think they can push it. I think they can push the six. Maybe seven games, but uh, tonight I got the heat um, on this one. I think tonight's well, gonna be a close one. Pulling the bet. <laughs> yeah, he he really trying to he trying to get me on this one. He really trying to get me on this one. Dude, I told you just DM me. I, I we'll see what we'll see what we talk about. I have done that for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> James, are you a Heat fan, or do you just think they're gonna win? I like the underdogs. You know, um, I, I'm actually, I actually was a Laker fan for a really, really long time. And then I became a Knicks, like Carmelo Anthony fan. Um, oh, I like the fan, James. You can't yeah. be a James. Like, what is that? I like the, I like the Lakers, you know. Um, oh my God. You know, I like the Lakers. It's just, I want to see a good series. And so if I just put my heart into the heat, then I know that it'll be a good series. I don't want to, I don't want to sweep. We didn't have sports all, pretty much all year. So I'm trying to get as much out of these games as possible. I want seven full games. So, uh, oh, crap, baby. Yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be the heat in seven. <laughs> well, Sticking with it. That is gonna wrap it up for the ultimate breakdown. Uh, everyone, have an awesome day. Thank you so much for joining me. Have a great day, everyone, and God bless.